Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. 1235 in Edmonton. Is that Manfred, man? I think it is. Oh, man, that's a little bit too esoteric for Oilers now. Bob Stoffer with you. Uh, do you want to tell you guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse? Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. One of the themes, and we'll continue going down that path on our Heartland Fort text line, Heartland Fort out in Fort Saskatchewan, Texas at 630, 630. Uh... What song should the Edmonton Oilers open up with? Each and and the reason the genesis of this was Brendan opened up the show with uh, the Who, and that is what it, uh, the Rangers have used over the years at times uh, with Bob O'Reilly and uh, Rob Brown. Spent a long time in the NHL. We haven't had a chance to catch up with him uh, this summer. We'll get to some of the Oilers stuff in a second. But Rob, I'm going to put you on the spot. During your playing days, did you have a favorite song to come out on the ice to? And did you have the power and influence in your dressing room ever to dictate what got played in that situation? The power? I don't know if I ever had power anywhere. I do know that when we played in Kamloops for four years, Taking Care of Business was our song that we came onto the ice to. And I don't know if I've ever been in an arena and heard a song that was better to start a game two than taking care of business. So uh, teams were, I, I believe there was an intimidation factor in Campbell's those years that we were there when that song started playing. The other team knew what they were getting into. So that was by far the best song I've heard coming on today. I, I forget which Oilers playoff run year it was, but it ended up in a successful one. But taking care of business was actually the theme song of the team back in the late 1980s. So I don't know if it was like 87 or 88, but it was one of those years that they used that as well. So well, that was right after we had it in, in, in Camels. So they probably, one of the Oilers probably heard us do it and said, hey, we want to be like the Camels Blazers. So they stole it out of junior hockey, right? Is that it? Absolutely. Just like the teddy bear toss started in Camloops too. Everything starts in Camloops Club. Everything's, we had Ben Kuzman from Camloops yesterday. Was he there when you were there or did he? He, he was. Kuz from the news we used to call him. Yeah, I've known Ben since I was 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> wow, oh, man, that uh, that has a whole different uh, take on it these days. Let me tell you. Uh, so, can it like as a player when you first come on the ice, um, you know, can it uh, you know can it give you a bit of a uh, can it jack you up? Yeah, oh, absolutely, it can. You know, when you play a regular season and it's eighty-two games or whatever it is, I mean, there's games that you're not. Uh, as emotionally or physically ready as you are in, in, in say, a playoff game. In the course of the season, it tires you. So there's little things that you need to jack yourself up. Certain guys will have headphones on in the dressing room before the game, playing a playlist that they like. Right. Uh, certain guys in certain arenas have certain 
playlist that you enjoy more so because even if it's the other team's music, it it gets gives you a little bit of an adrenaline rush. But for me, I, I can tell you, I can still remember taking care of business, stepping on the ice in Kamloops, and you didn't step on the ice when you came out to that. You ran on the ice, and your first two laps were at full speed. So yeah, it, it, a good song at the beginning of the game gives a little bit of uh, jump, and some nights you needed it. Well, it didn't get you going because you only had 212 points in one season. So uh, I should have kept I should have kept that song with me throughout my career. Yeah. Uh, what about when you went to Philadelphia with Pittsburgh? Yeah, I needed more than that. I needed a song, and most nights I needed a flak jacket, armor to wear over my body because it was physically intimidating. I mean, their their fans were truly. I, I know guys that worked in the. Um, uh, trucks and the trucks were below uh, one of the exits in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. And let's just say you got a lot of liquid on you, and you weren't sure always what the liquid was for the the production people that were working uh, in the trucks outside the arena. Well, it was like that for the players too. Uh, they would stand above, and, and like you would walk down below where you used to come in. They'd stand above and they would yell and scream and swear, and they knew things about you that. You hope no one ever found out and they use that against you. So it was there's two or two arenas that were there was an intimidation factor with fans. Philadelphia was one and the other was New York against the Rangers. I, I remember taking a bus into Madison Square Garden and they were throwing beer bottles at us and, and pop cans and and shaking the bus and banging on it with their on, on the windows and stuff and it was intimidating because there'd be like fifty or sixty of them. And it was intimate. So the fans in New York and the fans in Philadelphia, uh, they both those teams had a half goal head start to start any game because of the fans. Yeah, and what I remember, uh, I mean, they still play at MSG, Rob. I mean, you get so there's two buses that end up going underneath, but you, you got to go through a section where the fans are just outside and they're waiting there for you. But then you got that long walk up the ramp in New York, right? Like it's it's like six or seven floors. You're walking up uh, the ramp, and the fluids are running down the ramp. Yep, <laughs> yes they are, and they are usually. Elephant and tiger pee coming down the ramp. Yeah, it's uh, quite the combination. All right, so taking care of business uh, was the song that you uh, you uh, loved rolling with back in the day, uh, and you're sort of a classics guy, so you'd kind of stick with that moving forward, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't you? Well, I, I would, but then again, I'm 51, so I'm a lot older than the players playing nowadays. They might have a different genre they like listening to, but I, I do believe. I mean, at the end of the day, the better team usually wins hockey games. But when you play in your home rink, yeah. you've got to have something that separates it from being a road game. And some teams, it's, it's the fans. Uh, some teams, it's the type of arena you play in. But nowadays, with all the rinks are all big and beautiful. There's no, I mean, the old going into the old Boston Gardens was intimidating. The old Buffalo Awe had, had, had uh, it's a distinction about it. But every rink now is, is gorgeous. So there's no intimidation by rinks. And there's no advantage in where you play. So... Uh, cool music, uh, loud fans. Uh, those are those are keys that can help the team, especially at the start of hockey games. So, and the one thing we've seen in the past number of years, you know, others could use a little boost to start the games. There's too many games they fall behind early, and if you don't score first in the National Hockey League, 
70% of the time you ain't winning the game. Well, and the issue here is we have a very knowledgeable fan base, and the crowd does pick it up in the playoffs. It's a different, it's a completely different tone in the building uh, for games in Edmonton in the playoffs than it is in the regular season. Like that same frenetic energy is just not there during the regular season, and it's incumbent upon the team to also get the good start at home, not just to rely on the fans. No, you're right. I mean, a uh, win or a loss, you're not going to blame or, or acknowledge the fans got you to win or the loss. Uh, but there are there are certain arenas that you look forward to going to because of the fans. I mean, ask any player that's ever played in the National Hockey League, they can't wait to play in Chicago because of the National Anthem. Yeah. And that that is huge. I mean, it, it, it would be great if every game in Edmonton was like it was in the playoff hockey. It would be awesome, but again... Uh, playoff hockey is a different beast, and for the Oilers, they, they haven't seen it nearly enough over the last decade or so. Uh, so there's a the fan base usually in Edmonton is on pins and needles to start the game. Right? They're 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 worried. So the excitement level isn't there because they're already uh, anticipating something bad is going to happen because they've seen it too many times over and over. Um, but yeah, I, I do believe that uh, a fan base and and other things that you could help trigger to give your team a, a positive start can only help in the long run for an organization. Rob, let's get to the nuts and bolts of what the Oilers have done here because uh, it's been a while since we've had you on. Uh, the combination of Ken Holland, Dave Tippett, give me your assessment. Uh, I think they, they hit home runs with that. I think Ken Holland is an experienced man. You can't, as a general manager in Edmonton, you have to uh, have maturity. You have to have a uh, uh, confidence. You have to have a thick skin. You 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 can't be someone coming in and and not understanding what this entire city is about, what this franchise is about. And I think they brought anyone in with less experience than Ken Holland, they'll get eaten up, especially with the way the team is situated uh, because of what Peter Shirley left the team as. As far as Dave Tippett, he's a players' coach. He has success. He makes teams better. Uh, and again, experience. Uh, th- there is so much pressure coming into Edmonton. And I think the pressure is ratched up now because of the last success they've had. The fan base is tired, tired of the losing, tired of the change. So I think they did a very good job, and I thought they brought the two proper guys in, and now we'll see what they can do. Now that said, Rob, when Edmonton hired Peter Shirelli uh, to be the GM and Todd McClellan, there was a lot of excitement in the fan base that they brought in some experience there as well. What's there was, and I, and Tom McClellan, I thought, was the right coach. And okay. I still believe is the right coach. So do I. I think, I, I think a mistake was made. They fired the wrong guy. Peter Shirelli, uh, he's the one that let Todd go. That was a mistake. Tom McClellan would have had success here. Now, I'm not in the dressing room. But from what I feel and what I've heard, is he was, Tom was well-respected in that dressing room and liked in that dressing room. So the mistake was made. So I still believe Todd was the right coach. I think Dave Tippett's going to be a, a very good coach as well. Yeah. But Todd McClellan was not the problem with the Edmonton Oilers. The roster that was built was the problem with the Edmonton Oilers. The roster that was dismantled. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, he inherited. Peter Shirelli inherited, uh, you know, and it's interesting with Peter because I'd say this to his face. He didn't have the thickest skin either. And for a no. guy as bright as him, and he is a bright dude, uh, I, I was a little bit surprised by that, you know. So, uh, and I, I think you know, you you saw a little bit of that in action as well. In Ken Holland's case, um, 
yes, he's been in Detroit for all these years. His personality, you know, he spoke about Western Canadian roots. And I do think there's a difference there, Rob. Do you agree? Oh, I certainly agree. You ask any player from out West who the best teammates they've had throughout their career, most of them are going to they're going to talk about Westerners. It, guys from out West and people from out West are different from anywhere else. They're different from the Americans. They're different from the, uh, the, the Eastern Canadians. It's just, it's a way of life. It's just the way you see life, the way you live life. And I think it was a huge, huge coup by the owners is bringing in a guy that's from out here. He understands the culture out here. And it's completely different than anywhere else. So I, I think that what Peter Shirelli, when he was here, I think he enjoyed the the applause, but he didn't want to. I don't think he liked the the fact that people wanted to know why scrutiny. Right. Yeah, and he certainly, yeah, he certainly didn't like the scrutiny. And you got to be able to embrace it. And and the, what people keep missing about Western Canadians and fans here in Edmonton. If you make a mistake, admit to your mistake, and they'll have respect for you because you did. When you try to hide behind it or blame others or, or pretend it didn't happen, that's where you see people out here get a little upset. The people in Edmonton, will, will, they, love, they love an underdog and they love somebody that has come back from, from being an outcast or come back from uh, being uh, whatever it is. They like a, a comeback story. And I think with Peter Shirelli, when things didn't go right, he hid behind other people. He hid from the media, hid from the spotlight, didn't talk to the fans. He would have come out and said, you know what, we made a mistake. We screwed up, but we're going to make this better. The respect would have been there for that, but I think he lost a lot of respect from the fans in Edmonton. And the one thing we've also seen is if you lose the respect from the fans in Edmonton, it takes a hard, hard, hard road back to get it. Yeah. We're joined by Rob Brown, Bob Stauffer with you. Uh, Rob, of course, part of the Oilers Radio Network. Well, let's talk about a, a, a couple of the biggest moves. Uh, it's interesting. Milan Lucic for James Neal. And, and by the way, Rob, it's been suggested, you know, well, I heard the communication wasn't great between Todd McClellan and Milan Lucic. Um, I know for a fact that uh, Milan uh, contacted Todd after Todd left the organization, uh, after he was fired, uh, more than once. So I'd find that a little bit surprising to suggest that that was the, the biggest issue in, the, in what went wrong with Luch. Uh, in fact, I, I bet you if Milan looked in the mirror, uh, he's probably got the solution as to what went wrong with Milan Lucic. But that said, he gets a fresh start in Calgary. James Neal to Edmonton. Assess the deal. Well, if both players fail Edmonton wins a trade because it's easier to buy out James Neal if both players come within 8 goals of each other Calgary wins a trade because 8 goals isn't a big enough difference for James Neal to have over Milan because Milan brings so many other things if James Neal scores 11 goals or more than Milan Lucic it's a win for Edmonton and I think there's a better chance for James Neal to have a bounce back here he had one off year where things didn't go well for him. He was incredibly consistent up until that. He's going to get an opportunity. He's got the brains to play in your top six. I'm guessing, I'm sure you are too, that he's going to be playing with Ryan Newton Hopkins, who right now is licking his lips because he's finally getting a winger to play with him. So uh, I, I think this was a, a huge deal for, for all of them because I was one of the guys that never thought Milan Lucic could be moved. I didn't. I think after what he's done the last two years in his contract, I was shocked. And I know that I've got a lot of buddies in Calgary 
that are very, very disappointed in this trade. Even as guys that did not like what James Neal did last year, they also watch hockey a lot, and they see the Oilers on TV a lot, and they saw what Lucic did in the last couple of years. So I think right now, I would think this is an Oiler win, but after the end of the season, we'll be able to reassess it again. All right, so Lucic and Yessa Pugliarvi last year combined for 10 goals. I think the hope was those two could maybe combine for 35. I know you've watched the Paul Yarby thing from afar. He's made comments in the Finnish papers, the Finnish TV. Uh, he's obviously not interested in returning to Edmonton. As a result here, the, the uh, goalpost has moved a bit in Paul Yarby in terms of his uh, uh, the fans' perspective. I don't want to speak for all the fans, but I think a lot of the fans think there's a degree of entitlement that's occurred here with Paul Yarby the longer this goes on. Give me your take on this situation. If I'm Yessie's agent, I'm calling him up and saying, Yessie, tomorrow we're flying to Edmonton. You're going to hold a press conference. In the press conference, you're going to say, you know what? I haven't been good enough the last couple of years. Uh, I take ownership of that. I want to be part of this organization. I want to be part of it going forward. If that means me starting in the minors, so be it. I will work my way up. That means me being on the fourth line to start the year. So be it. I will earn everything that I get. I don't deserve anything, but I want the opportunity to get it, and I feel Edmonton gives me the best best chance. I will try to erase everything out of everyone's minds about me over the last few years. I know I can be a great player, and I want to be here in Edmonton. If I'm the agent of Yessi Pugliarvi, that's what I'm telling him to, to do tomorrow morning. Anything less than that, I think the agent has failed him as an agent. And, yes, he's making a huge mistake because he does have a little bit of leeway here in Edmonton more than anywhere else because he still is a high draft pick. And the Oilers are desperate for a right-handed shot winger that can score goals. And, yes, he still has that P beside his name as potential. Anywhere else, he's just a guy going on a free agent contract. And he's got no cachet at all. So I think both Yessie and his agent have made huge mistakes thus far. You know that's, correct. Rob, Rob, that's not going to happen. You know that. No, I know it's not. But that's, if that's what I, if, if I was king of the world for a day, I would be saying, this is what you have to do. And there's anything other than that is, is a fail. It's a complete fail by both of them. And and, it, and it's sad. Because if you look around the national, I've been a free agent before in my life. Now, I didn't have the high pedigree in the summer. But what you do as a, as a free agent, you and your agent talk, Okay, I am, and what I was, as a right winger that could score goals. So I'm looking around the National Hockey League, trying to find the teams that needed right wingers that could score goals. Okay, now there's 10. Now what can afford? Okay, now who am I challenged against? So now you get down to about three or four teams. Those are the teams you contact. The Edmonton Oilers are a team that needs a right-handed right winger that can score goals. If Jesse Pugliarvi was to look around the league right now, there would be four teams that could desperately use his services the Oilers would be at the top of the list. This is the best place possible. they got three centermen that are world-class passers. One of them has to play wing because, yes, he hasn't been able to do it. So this is the best possible situation for Yessi Pogliarvi. And until he and his agent realize that and accept that, I think he's going to be swimming upstream, and he may not be playing in the National Hockey League this year because of that. So you would say he's blown it? Oh, absolutely, yes. You know, again, he has a chance to make amends. Again, if he was to go on, come here and come say to the fans and say, I've messed up, I'm going to be better, the fans would switch and go to his side because he's admitted mistake and he's admitted he's human and he wants to become a better hockey player. Anything less than that, the fans are turning against him. If he gets forced to come to training camp because he has nothing else, 
and doesn't admit to failures in the past, fans aren't, the fans here aren't going to embrace him. If he admits what he's done wrong and what he needs to be better at and how he's going to work hard to get there, the fans will embrace that because they want to see a comeback story. Yeah. Uh, Rob, I'm here to tell you that there's a lot of fans right now that are like, he can just, you know, because he doesn't have the attitude that you're suggesting he should have. There's a lot of fans that are like, just let him stay in Finland at this. Because oh. the Oilers can't afford to lose the deal for the sake of making the deal to make Jesse and his agent happy. No, you're right. And the Oilers, as we've seen in the past number of years, have lost deals. Right. And they've actually admitted it. We know sometimes you have to lose a deal. No, you don't. No, you don't have to lose a deal. You can break even. But you don't have to lose a deal. And right now... If they give Jesse away just to appease him and his agent, you're going to lose it because really he's got no, there's no star power for him right now. He's a guy that's a marginal NHL hockey player at this point in his career. Rob, great stuff. We'll look forward to touching base with you uh, fairly regularly during the course of the season. Sounds good, Bob. Take care. That is Rob Brown from the Oilers Radio Network. If only Paul Yarby had that perspective on things. Just uh, does not currently exist. I want to hit on about three things, and then we're going to marry the brakes. Sorry, going to marry the brakes. I'll, I'll get yelled at later. It's okay, Brendan. Uh, here we go. Uh, Josh Marshall uh, put a tweet out today regarding Patrick Marlowe, potentially in the mix in Edmonton. I, I never outright say... Uh, no, I, I would say that'd be a little bit surprising. Uh, a lot of people think he's going back to San Jose, but maybe Josh has got some inside info there. So uh, I would be a little bit surprised. The diff- in Broussard's case, there was a definitive role for him, and uh, and the Oilers have some uh, some wings. But the premise of what Marshall was suggesting also made a little bit of sense as well. Um, PTO-wise... Could see uh, Scotty Upshaw going to a central division team that's got a lot of experience. Um, Edmonton, I could see maybe having a forward and a D brought in on a PTO for some added uh, camp uh, balance. So we've talked a little bit about music, a little bit about the Edmonton orders. We're going to go off the uh, beaten path as we open up hour number two, but I'm going to keep you in suspense till then. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Carrie McCarthy. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.